Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It is Blake Sorensen back with another episode of the Inside Leverage Podcast. Week 5 is upon us. We got it started off with some some fun Thursday night football, which we will be recapping on Tuesday. Unfortunately, not today, because I was watching my Red Sox get dismantled by the Tampa Bay Rays. Game 2 is tonight, so, you know, let's... Hope for some better luck for my Sox. Uh, we beat the Yankees in the wild card. We did better than that. And for where we were supposed to be, I digress. You know what? Too much baseball talk. We'll cut it off. If you want to have a baseball conversation, DM me, message me separately. We can talk, we can talk about my Red Sox. But we got a fun week five. We will be talking about that Seahawks-Rams game next Tuesday. That will be covered in the complete uh, recap podcast of the entire week five. So I'm excited. Looking forward to really diving into that one. All I really got to see was Geno time. Uh, but it was it was definitely uh, interesting to watch. Some Something fun for my Thursday night. Um, uh, some very, very, very fun games, including my favorite Thursday or Sunday night matchup of the year so far. We get Bills Chiefs in Arrowhead. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about Browns Chargers, which is one of... This is a spectacular slate. These are two of the best games that we've gotten so far in this young season, and I'm all here for it. Then we get 49ers Cardinals, which is going to be a fun one to break down and talk about. Packers Bengals, sneaky good game. Sneaky good game here. I mean, I'm sure when people were looking at the schedule, whether it was for the Packers or the Bengals, you were looking at this in the preseason, and I didn't think we would be expecting a 3 and one matchup from both sides in this one. So I'm a little bit intrigued on that one, actually. Uh, we got Bears-Raiders. Justin Fields, confirmed starter going forward. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the table against this tough Raiders defense, and I'm also excited to see that other side of the ball. We also have Dolphins-Bucks. I think that line is a little lofty, but we'll talk about that when we get there. We also have an NFC East matchup between the Giants and the Cowboys. What can Vanilla Vic do in this one? We have Saints-Washington. We have Lions-Vikings. Colts-Ravens, which I put at the back because I'm not super excited for this one. But I am going to be watching this on Monday night, as I'm sure we all are. But that one could end up being one of the ones we talk about first on Tuesday instead of in the back end. A lot to get into. Jam-packed show. But before we dive in... To our best bets. I want to make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe if you are watching on the YouTube. If you are listening on podcast form, go ahead, head over STB Sports on the YouTube channel. Go ahead, subscribe. I'm planning on dropping some good content next week. This week was super busy. I apologize. It was on my to-do list. Wasn't able to get to it. I'm, I'm so frustrated with myself right now, but hey, we're going to get to it. I'm, I'm excited. More fun uh, YouTube content is going to be going out there. It just takes time with those things, but I guarantee you, if you guys head over there, check out the play of the week from a couple weeks ago. That is the type of content that we're going to be putting on the YouTube, and it's some good-ass stuff, okay? So, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube, and if you guys could please, 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 please share this with two friends, two friends. If you just share it with two friends, tell them the podcast is great, I'm pretty sure at least one of them will go ahead, tune in, maybe likes what he sees, and subscribes. Just appreciate you guys, and I really want to do a good job of continuing to grow the STB sports community and family. Best bets. I feel like I should hold this hostage till the end so that we get the watch time up on the YouTube, but I'll go ahead. I'm generous. I'm in the giving mood. Uh, a very festivist mood, if you will. Best bets, okay. Let's start off. <clears throat> we have six best bets in this one. Six. That is a record. And there is actually... 
it's a little interesting because we have the usual four, then we have one that's an asterisk where if this happens, then this. Then we have one that I, I could see both happening, and I put them both on here for that reason. But if you want to go one, then just go one of the two. Then we also have one later on that's going to be a little bit of a recommendation. So we got a lot of some solid bet callouts here, in my opinion. The first is going to be the Bears and the Raiders. Okay. The more I think about this one, the more I'm kind of like, ooh, this could be interesting. But at 44 and a half points, I think that's attainable. That's 26 to 20. That covers that over there. And I could see that happening. And I know this Raiders defense has been good all year. And we're going to talk more about why I'm worried about Justin Fields in this one later on. But I do have faith in that Raiders defense to be able to score on the Bears defense. I know they've been good, but I trust this Raiders offense a lot. I think they come to play. I think they do a very good job of it. And plus... I know it's gotten cleaned up, but to me, the Bears haven't really faced a guy or a team other than week one that can beat them down the field and get the explosive plays. It happened week one, and I know. It's week one. They played the Rams. Um, they had some miscommunications on the back end of the defense, but I definitely think the Raiders with Carr and Ruggs can exploit some of those things down the field. So now I get into that point some more. Brian Edwards, 38.5 receiving yards. I have the under. Okay, here's my rationale. I believe that Brian Edwards, for what he is, right, kind of solid and everything, okay? But when I think of Brian Edwards and what I think he does well, use his physicality to create, whether it's a nice back shoulder throw, whether it's him pushing a guy upfield and using his body to create some separation and catch a comeback. Those are the things that Brian Edwards does well to me. One of the best physical, terrifying just annoying corners to have to play for a wide receiver of this stature and skill set, in my opinion, is Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson out physicals 99% of NFL wide receivers. This dude is handsy. This dude is big. He's built. He is not a great matchup for physical, big, contested catch wide receivers like Brian Edwards is. And I know... There's probably a Raider fan watching right now saying, Blake, oh my God, you are underestimating Brian Edwards so much. He's so much more than that. Yes, I know he is. But if early on they try to get a couple uh, third, let's say third and seven attempts to Brian Edwards and he can't come down with those catches, you think they're going to continue to go back to that well when that's a matchup that I like Brian Edwards. I think he has some potential. That is clearly a matchup that the Bears are winning on that side of the ball. So I like Brian Edwards under at 38 and a half. And then that leads me into, well, who are they going to throw it to? To me, it's Henry Ruggs at 46 and a half. And like I said, that Bears defense, although they've trimmed down on it, they also haven't played too many guys that I feel like, yeah, he is going to make you pay down the field. They haven't played that guy, in my opinion, yet um, since week one, right? Uh, we saw the Bengals do it a little bit as well. So... I think that there is big play potential against this Bears defense. I like what Sean Desai is doing there. I'm not saying they're a bad defense by any means. But just with how this back half, the, how these safeties are playing right now. Uh, and Eddie Jackson, he's hasn't been the Eddie Jackson that we saw in, what was it, 2018, where he's one of the best defensive players in the league. That just hasn't been Eddie Jackson this year. The corners outside of Jalen Johnson have been a little interesting to me. And yes, I like Kendallville Dorr. I think he's going to be a solid guy in this league, and I think he already is. But going against a guy of Henry Ruggs caliber, I definitely think they're 46 and a half. That's pretty much one Henry Ruggs reception. So 
I'm fine with rolling the dice on one big shot to Henry Ruggs. I like those odds. Now, I will say this one, in my opinion, is the most... What's your risk tolerance? Okay, I'm going to ask you that. Because this one, if I was putting risks on these, this one is probably a five-star risk. Right? So, if you're not... You guys make the decision on this one. I am. I'm going to put some money on Henry Ruggs 46 and a half over. I think that is literally one Henry Ruggs reception. I think he can do it, right? He's the big play guy. The Bears have given up. I think he'll get three to four attempts down the field on big shots, and I think he can convert on one or two of them. So I am fond of Henry Ruggs in this one. I will say the risk tolerance, it, you got to kind of be there because even with going under on receiving yards is a little sketchy because that is literally one missed tackle, and Brian Edwards has 38 and a half yards. So both of these are a little bit of a risk tolerance. I like the odds on both of them. I'm going to be betting both of them, but I would just say with those two, know yourself, okay? Know yourself, all right? Know how confident you are in Edwards or Ruggs. I'm confident in both of those things to happen. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be watching that Bears-Raiders game a lot. Uh, I don't I don't write the window times down on here. I'm sorry. I just know, like, the night games and stuff. But um, we'll be watching that one for, with, with, with careful eyes. Then we have Jared Goff, 254.5 yards. Over, of course, over. We always we love the over. Actually, Brian Edwards was our first under call out, and we have one more in a second. But Jared Goff at, at 254 and a half yards is a no-brainer in my eyes. A no-brainer, okay? Minnesota Vikings, I, I said it. I, I feel like I'm a broken record with this. Will give you big plays in the passing game, okay? And look, the defense has played better the last two weeks. They're not bad. They've gotten better. They played a good game against Cleveland. They played a good game against Seattle. So maybe that defense is starting to tight things up. But, but, the Bears, I mean the Lions, sorry, I'm getting all my NFC North teams just jumbled around in the brain. The Lions are horrendous, defensively, especially in the passing game. So, hey, you know. Cousins is there in a passing yard that you might want to take that over. And uh, Dalvin Cook is questionable in this game. So, yeah, Kirk Cousins. I don't know what his line number is. I didn't write it down, but that could definitely be one you look at. If it's anywhere in that 270 range, I might take that over as well. But I like Jared Goff because I could see a scenario where the Lions get down 17 nothing early, and then they have to throw the ball. And if you are continuing to just put pressure on these cornerbacks, which have not been great this year, Breland, Peterson, I'm excited to see more of Dantzler. I hope he continues to keep that outside corner roll. But I digress. I could see Jared Goff easily, easily, easily passing over for 254 yards. Just because they're down, they're going to have to sling that rock around similar to what happened in week one against the 49ers. So I really do think that Jared Goff, that's a really good bet there. But if you are more confident in Kirk Cousins just tearing up the Lions' crappy secondary, you can go ahead and take that one too. But my call out is going to be Jared Goff. Then we have Damian Williams, 60.5 yards rushing, under. Blake, did you just, whoa, whoa, we've never got an under call out before, and you just called two of them in the same same call? Yeah, Damian Williams under. I like that one a lot, okay, because here's my rationale. I think Damian Williams, with David Montgomery, kind of already had a role. He was getting some, some screen work he was getting some draw work Damian Williams was kind of a part of this and now that may be leading you to say Blake oh my gosh oh my gosh I mean that just means more they're just gonna feed him more what about Khalil Herbert okay uh a late round rookie last year out of Virginia Tech 
The kid can play football. He is built, in my opinion, eerily similar to David Montgomery and runs runs like a madman. Trust me. Khalil Herbert, watch some of his Vodtech highlights if you haven't already. The kid can play football. And I'm just super high on Khalil Herbert. So I think that he will kind of almost take over what Montgomery was doing. Well, Damian Williams, he has to be an uptick in Damian Williams. I'm not saying that isn't going to happen at all, but I do think we definitely see a lot more Khalil Herbert than some people are thinking. I could be wrong. Damian Williams could rush for 150 yards. I don't think so, though, and that's why I'm doing this call out here. I expect Khalil Herbert to get more of the traditional carries, and I think Damian Williams will get over 60 yards. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be prominent in the passing game, but I think Khalil Herbert will take more carries and more yards than some people are expecting. So that 60 and a half for Damian Williams, I don't like it one bit. Take that under. Then we have Trey Sermon at 27 and a half for the over. And some people, Blake, I think Eli Mitchell's supposed to come back this week. That's fine and dandy. I definitely believe Trey Sermon will get 30 yards rushing. With the way that uh, the Arizona Cardinals linebackers play, that could get done in three carries for Trey Sermon. So he just needs to get three solid carries, and he's at 30 yards. And that is a defense that their linebackers, eye discipline is crap right now. They're young. They're over-aggressive. Trey Sermon could definitely get 27 and a half yards, even if he is not the primary guy. I, I believe that both of these guys will probably get somewhere between 10 to 15 carries. And there is no way, if you give Trey Sermon shit, eight carries, Eight carries, yeah. He could get that on eight carries. Trust me, I love it. Trey Sermon is going to hammer that 27 and a half over. Then I also have a little caveat here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's starting yet, 100%. Um, I've got no news on that yet. But if Trey Lance starts the football game for the San Francisco 49ers, hammer, hammer, the over on his rush yards. I'm just going to add that caveat there. I'm going to put that in your head, and we're going to be talking about it in a couple of games from now. So that wraps it up for our best bets. Let's go ahead and recap. Bears and Raiders, 44.5 over. Jared Goff, 254 passing yards over. Damian Williams, 60.5 rushing yards under. Trey Sermon, 27.5 over. Brian Edwards, 38.5 under. Henry Ruggs, 46.5 over. And if Trey Lance starts, I don't care what it is. Hammer the crap out of his rushing yard over. Now, I think we have one more. I think there was one more thing where I kind of put a little note, and I was like, yeah, I kind of like that as a bet here. Um, I'm not seeing it pop up now, but we will get to it a little bit later. Man, where was it? It was one that I kind of liked. Um, oh, Broncos money line against the Steelers. That is a bet that I am kind of leaning towards. I, I didn't want it included in the best bets, but I do kind of like betting backup quarterbacks in their first game as a starter. So that is one that you could put on here, but that's not a – Best bet call-out. That's a solid bet call-out. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Broncos money line if you wanted to add another one and get greedy. Bills Chiefs. In my humble opinion, this is game of the year so far. This thing is an absolute blast. I mean, two dominant teams, but are playing really different brands of football right now. <clears throat> I know the Bills have put up 35 and 40-point shutouts, and you may be thinking, Blake, this offense, man, this offense. Well, they... Had some problems that Miami game week two. And this offense, yes, has gotten back on track in the last two weeks. And I've kind of liked what I've seen out of them. But the dominant part of this Bills team so far this year has been the defense, more specifically the pass rush. And 
I just really love with these. Uh, I mean, their 4.0 opponent's yards per play is the best in the league. But not just the best in the league. Second place, which I want to say brain blast here. I, I think it's Cleveland. Don't quote me on that. But I do know second place was at 4.5 yards per play. A whole half yard per play. I mean, that's just crazy. I think last year, Pittsburgh, and I'm not going to talk. I don't remember. I was looking on team rankings last night, and I don't have enough information. But 4.0 yards per play is absurd. That is great. That is what you want. We like that. So the Buffalo Bills right now are playing some of the best defense in the league. I mean, they are just, and and I know, and I I put this point in here too. They played Schittsburg, and, and, and Ben... Rothless horrible. They played Tua for a couple snaps and then got Jacoby Brissett. They got Heineke. And then they got Davis Mills. It's like, oh, alright. They didn't exactly play against the 27 Yankees here. So why do I have faith in this defense? You're probably like, why do I have faith in this defense? Why do I have faith? They've played well. They've looked well and they've played well. And you may be saying, look, they did it against backup quarterbacks. Okay. What, what, what did you want them to do? Okay. They held two teams without points in the NFL. That is hard to do. Whether it's against Davis Mills, um, Davis Mills, Nathan Peterman, or Tom frickin' Brady. It's it's a hard thing to do, okay? To hold a team to no points, and they've done it twice. And against a team, we'll discredit the Texans one. Miami has playmakers. Will Fuller, Gusecki, um, Waddle. Like, they have playmakers in Miami. But I love what this pass rush is doing right now for the Bills. And it's not one person. I can't look at one person. I mean, the one person that stands out the most to me is A.J. Epinenza. But it's not just one guy, right? To me, Epinenza has been, other than Matt Milano, the best player on this defense. I might catch some flack for that. But A.J. Epinenza has been a freaking stud. And that's, like, I watched him at Iowa and I was like, this kid can play football. This dude is a freaking beast. And then kind of I got scared. I was like, oh, he's a tweener. He was falling in the draft. I was like, somebody has to take him. Like, he's still a good football player. Good football players will find spots, all right? Then the Bills got him, and he was a little shaky last year. I think he dropped about 20 pounds, and he's rushing strictly off the edge. Now, no more three-tech inside stuff. No, this man is coming off the edge to kill you. Uh, and he's done a good job of it this year. He embarrassed Austin Jackson, but, I mean... Everybody embarrasses Austin Jackson. Um, but he's looked good. He's looked dominant. He's looked scary. And then you add guys like Addison, who isn't playing like he usually does, but he's still a solid rotational pass rusher. Um, Starla Tulele has been getting after the passer. Ed Oliver has been getting after the passer. Gregory Rousseau has been getting in the mix and getting after the passer. I want to see Boogie Basham get in the mix and get after the passer, too. He was one of my favorite players from last year's draft. I love the rotation that they have. They can stay fresh. They can stay hungry. They can stay after it. And they're going to make Patrick Mahomes' life a living hell. And I know. You think, like, man, the Chiefs up their offensive line. Yes, Joe Thune playing lights out at left guard. Creed Humphrey, amazing. He looks great at center. I really liked what I've seen out of right guard Trey Smith in the little capacity that I've watched him. He, he hasn't been a liability. And every once in a while, I'll tune in on because I was I like that center and guard rookie combo and they'll do some good things so i like what i've seen out of him lucas niang looks serviceable and playable for being the 
weak link, as some people like to say on this offensive line. To me, the weak link and the liability that is going to get abused in this game. But we're gonna be you're gonna be watching it Sunday night, and you're gonna be sitting in your chair. And this thought that I am going to say to you right now is gonna pop into your head, and you're gonna be like, "God damn, Blake was right." We are all gonna be sitting on our couches on Sunday, and Orlando Brown is not gonna look good. And for a large majority of football fans, they're going to sit there with confused looks on their face and really be thinking, they, no, this guy's good. What's going on? Like, he's a good football player. What? They traded a first and paid him when they could have just drafted somebody like Etchenberg. And I know Etchenberg hasn't looked great, but it's freaking Miami. They, Miami is where offensive linemen go to die. I digress, but you're going to be watching that game and thinking, no, 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 no. The Chiefs did not just trade a first and pay this guy, and he's getting hoed by A.J. Epinenza. Watch. Just watch. We're going to be watching that game. I'm going to be sitting there laughing my ass off when he gives up another quarterback pressure and has Mahomes looking like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. I think Orlando Brown is where... They are most liable on that offensive line. And I think if we don't see a lot of pressures from Orlando Brown, you know what we are going to see? Kelsey Chips. Running back helps it outside. So expect a lot of resources to be put on that left side of the offensive line. Which, which, you know what that's going to open up? One-on-ones for Lucas Niang. Who, yes, Lucas Niang took a step up. He didn't play at all last year. And now he's, he's doing a solid job filling in and playing right tackle. But if you continuously have to give that man one-on-one reps with with Addison and Rousseau, and why am I blinking on Jerry Hughes? There we go. I completely forgot about him when I was listening to him the first time. It's not going to end well for him. So if Orlando Brown is getting his ass whooped, or if right now they're in team meetings thinking, man, you know, Andy Reid probably talking to Eric Bieniemy, dude, we got to make sure we're chipping to that side. And Eric Bieniemy's like, yeah, man. Yeah, talking to the offensive line coach. The offensive line coach is sitting there with his head down like, oh, frickin' Orlando Brown. <laughs> and then Lucas Niang is like, oh, damn, they're going to be chipping to that side? I got one-on-ones with Hughes, Addison, Rousseau, whoever the hell they throw to me. I think it's going to be tough. Interior, I think, is going to be fine. I think Ed, Ed Oliver is – I don't want to say he's going to be a non-factor, but I definitely think the interior is locked down. I love that Thune, Humphrey – uh, Trey Smith combo on the inside. So, But watch out for those tackles. If Orlando Brown continues to get his butt whooped, watch for the other side. Okay, Really worried about that for the Chiefs. And right now, it feels to me like this iteration of the Chiefs defense makes quarterbacks look good. Baker looked good against them. Jalen Hurts had some pretty good plays against them. Uh, there was somebody else that they played. Lamar Jackson looked fantastic against them. So far, Justin Herbert again looked fantastic. Through the first four games of the season, it looks like you play the Kansas City Chiefs as a quarterback, you have a good game. Right? And I think that continues. I don't think this Chiefs defense is going to be horrible throughout the whole year. Spags usually gets his stuff together later and as the year goes on and then we end up seeing this monstrous defense in the playoffs and we have the same conversation with Kansas City we've had it for the last two years where 
this defense really got it turned around. I mean, we've heard it. We heard it through last playoffs. We heard it through two playoffs ago. It's like this defense really got it turned around. They're not a liability anymore. Actually, they're a strength, and they make life really hard on the opposing offenses. I'm not worried about this Spags defense being bad for 17 games. But is this going to be the magical turning point where this defense just kind of flips and is like, yeah, you know what? We 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 can play football. Good game plan, Spags. I don't know if this is the game. If there was going to be a game where they really need to kick it into overdrive and get this thing flipped, it would be this one. But as of right now, I just don't see this defense making life hard and frustrating on Josh Allen. And that's what you got to do. If you give Josh Allen his way, if you let him be comfortable, there is nobody better in football than Josh Allen. There are probably people on his level. But when Josh Allen is comfortable and you are not doing things to make his life difficult, he's going to tear you to shreds tear you to shreds pittsburgh week one made his life difficult with a insane pass rush that only got back with four men which allowed you to drop seven into coverage that is making life incredibly difficult if you are under a crap ton of pressure and don't have quick one two boom reads right he doesn't have a quick check down he doesn't have a quick play here because you're able to drop seven that's how Pittsburgh made his life difficult. Miami made his life difficult by just playing some of the best coverage that I've seen. Blake, they allowed 35 points. Just watch the game, please. If you if you need my game pass, I will give you the link just so you can go. I'll give you my login information so you can go watch that Miami game. They played good defense. Okay. So, and right now, I just don't see what Kansas City's plan for making life difficult on Josh Allen is. So that's why I'm going to pick the Bills. In Arrowhead, I know. Just, I got a feeling. I got a feeling that they are not going to be able to make life difficult on Josh Allen. I think we get comfortable Josh Allen. I think we get a Josh Allen that torches the crap out of this Chiefs defense. And look, <clears throat> when it comes down to it, what defense do you expect to make a play? And I know, I love Chris Jones to death. I love Honey Badger to death. But there are nine other guys on that team who they can pick on and who they can abuse and do this and that to. And Kansas City, Kansas City, not Kansas City, they're not they're not shitty. Kansas City so far this year has worried me a little bit because their defense, right? In that first half of the Baltimore game, that defense played well, right? I haven't seen this defense play a good I mean, they played a good half in Baltimore, but they imploded in that second half and Lamar Jackson just tore them up, you know? So, I'm worried that even if they come out here and they're able to frustrate Josh Allen a little bit. Can they sustain it for four quarters? Because Josh Allen in this Bills offense holds probably not as much as Kansas City because nobody does, but they are explosive and they can turn on you on a dime. So give me the Bills to win 42 to 38 in just a class, instant classic, spectacular shootout in Arrowhead. My X factor is Emmanuel Sanders. <clears throat> Emmanuel Sanders to me has been the guy over the last two weeks that he stepped up. He started to play better. And I don't know if it's causation, correlation, none of the things, but I think this offense is better when Emmanuel Sanders is a part of it and help helping open things up for everybody else. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is the X factor. They can continue to get him involved and continue to have him as a, not a focal point, but like a solid work piece in this offense then I, I do think this offense really, really opens up and gets cooking. So give me the Bills to win. 42-38. to 38. Don't have a lot of faith in that Chiefs defense right now. They'll get it turned around. Is this the game where it happens? you got to imagine Spags is coming in. He's pulling out all the stuff that he needs to. I just don't know if they have the talent, especially at the cornerback positions, to do so. Browns, Chargers. 
both teams coming in three and one. Both teams are super good, well coached, analytically inclined. The nerds are gonna love this matchup. I love this matchup. Shit, I'm included in that community of the nerds that loves this matchup. It's gonna be a fun one. I definitely think that maybe we don't see the punters at all. If there was a over under for punts, I don't know if there is, but take the under. There will be no punts in this game. I guarantee you, it's gonna be like Mike Leach playing uh, some random Big Twelve team. But yeah, uh, don't expect the ball to be punt much, especially if they're getting into solid like fourth and five situations or anything less. Uh, there's and, and as a result of that, what I think is going to kind of happen from that. I think there's a potential for points to get absolutely scored in this one. If nobody's punting and they're like, you know what, we're going to go and just keep trying to put this thing into the end zone, I expect a lot of points to be put up in this one, potentially. Although I am a fan of both of these defenses. I think that that Chargers back end played really, really, really well last week against the Raiders. And this Browns defense, I don't know how you guys perceive the Browns defense, so I don't necessarily know if this is a hot take, but the Browns are a top five defense. There have not been probably not even three defenses that have been better than these guys so far. My top five so far this year has been, been the Browns, the Steelers, the Dolphins. It's tough. The Bills probably got to get in there as well. Um, I feel like the Patriots need to get in there, but I don't necessarily know if I would put them in there. Um, the Cowboys have been good for what their talent the Broncos I think five would have to be the Broncos sorry everybody else but there's been a lot of good defensive teams this year and solid defensive teams but the Browns are amazing the Browns are they're not a solid unit and I said it last year a lot of people I think a lot of people this year were coming in sleeping on the Browns my only concern with them has been Baker Mayfield forever now because when the offseason that they had I was like they knocked it out of the park they did everything that they had to do my biggest concern was yes you have one of the best corners in football. Yes, you have the best potentially edge rusher in football. Those are not my concerns. My concerns are the other guys. Do you have another dude that can get pressure opposite of Miles Garrett? They went out and they got Jadavion Clowney in freaking career revival. He looks like a stud. Then they go out and they get Troy Hill to man the nickel and they get Greg Newsome to, to start at opposite of Denzel Ward. Those guys are playing good football. Then they get Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, best player available, but god damn does he look like a veteran who's just killing shit out on that field right now. Love what JOK is bringing to the table. Andrew Barry is the best GM in football. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. He really is. And we are going to see that defense frustrate Justin Herbert and put Justin Herbert in a lot of situations where we know how good he can be he needs to do it again he needs to be superman again like he was in the dallas game like he was in the chiefs game we need to see superman justin herbert not just solid justin herbert not just good justin herbert no we need to see superman justin herbert because that's the only way they're going to win this game they don't run the ball they're not going to be able to run the ball on the cleveland browns they're just not it's not going to happen okay I believe that they're going to get in a lot of third and long situations, and they are going to need to make the Browns pay, okay? Can they do it? Well, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. However, I think the same can be said for the other side. Are the Chargers able to get Baker Mayfield into third and long situations where he has to win and he has to make plays? Can they? Because if you really think about it, that's what Brandon Staley's defense is kind of built upon. 
I, I wrote it down as a mismatch, and really, it was a mismatch last week too. Third worst opponent's yards per rush for the Chargers defense, 5.3 yards. Fifth best yards per rush for the Cleveland Browns, 5.1. Those are almost like identical, dead on. <clears throat> and I called it a weakness last week. I called it a weakness weakness. Last week when they played the Raiders, I was like, oh, this Raiders offensive line, they'll be able to run the ball a little bit. You know, Josh Jacobs, Kenny Drake, yeah. They weren't able to run the ball spectacularly, and it dawned on me. I know I've heard it before. Justin told me this a while ago. Hope you're doing well, Justin. I love you, buddy. Um, he's like, Brandon Staley wants you to run the ball. He doesn't want you to pass the ball. He wants you to run the ball. So I was sitting there, and I was like, huh. He said a weakness in this game? Really? If Brandon Staley wants you to run the football and he wants to make it harder for you to pass, is it a weakness? I know the Chargers efficiently are not great at stopping the run. And I know that the Browns run the ball almost better than anybody in the league. And they are so efficient and lethal and tactical in that running game. The key to me is how many explosive run plays happen. Okay? Because if you can hold to about even like... They got to pass the ball eventually. Can you get the interceptions from Baker Mayfield when they do pass? Can you get them into maybe they get frisky and they want to do a, a pass on first down and you break that up and now it's second and 10. And because it's second and 10, you have to pass on second down. But it's Baker Mayfield going against his secondary that has been lights out. Now you're in a third and 10 and now Baker has to get you a play to win. You know, So if they can start getting the Browns into those situations, I think it's a, a, a Chargers runaway. But... If the Browns are able to run the ball, five yards, five yards a clip, five yards a clip, and now well, I mean, we'll even be generous and say four and four, or five and four. Now we're in a, a third and three, a third and two, a third and one. You can pass. You can run play action pass. You can run the ball. You can run outside zone. You can run inside zone. You can run power. You can run duo. You can run whatever the hell you want. You can run an RPO. Hell, you could run a read option with Baker Mayfield if you really freaking wanted to. So many things you can do once you get into that third and short territory. And with Kevin Stefanski as your coach, that's probably four down territory. You can take a shot on third and three if you want. I want to see what, <clears throat> this is what where I think the key to the game is going to be. The Browns' average distance on third down. Because Justin Herbert, yes, I know the Browns have the better defense to me. But what's going to be huge is on third downs, right? Justin Herbert, to me, has the potential to convert anything from 3rd and 5 to 3rd and 15. I think when Justin Herbert with Mike Williams and Jared Cook, who's my X Factor in this one, and Keenan Allen, and even if we want to throw Partham, who's like 650 there, um, they can get those plays, and Justin Herbert can create those plays. If most of the 3rd downs that the Cleveland Browns have to face on Sunday are 3rd and 5 plus, 6 plus, Good night. Simply put, good night. Thanks for coming to L.A., Cleveland. Have a long road trip home, you 3-2 and two football team. That's what's going to happen to the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Now, inversely, 3rd and 4, 3rd and 3, and anything shorter than that, we got ourselves a ball game and a goddamn fun one. So I'm all here for it. You don't have to stay out of third down, Cleveland. I put that as my note, but I'm kind of editing it. That's not what I meant. Stay out of third down. No, you can get in third down. Stay out of third and along. 
That's going to tell us all we need to know. I guarantee you. We're going to look back on here on Tuesday. The average third down distance for the Cleveland Browns in this one. That is going to tell us all we need to know. I will say that before I say the score. Okay? On Tuesday. I'll look at it. I'll be like, oh. Cleveland Brown. Average first down distance. 7.9. Yep. Chargers won by two possessions. Oh. Average third down distance. Four yards. Five yards. Hmm. Yeah. Browns won this game. Or kept it close. Now. It's two points for the Chargers. Which is interesting because they're the home team. Home team, if they view them as even, usually gets about minus three. That's about what home field advantage is. Is it minus two because they view the Browns as probably a better football team and that one point is swinging over? Or do they put it at two because it's the freaking Chargers as the home team? Home team. So I'm a little interested with that line. I am going to rock with the better quarterback, though. And the guy that I have more faith where if you get into third and long, he can make a play. So give me. Jay Herbo, Jay Money, whatever the hell you want to call him, to win 25-21 to 21 against the Browns. really believe that that is a matchup right there that is going, the, the third downs for the Browns are really going to tell the story. <clears throat> 49ers and Cardinals. Cardinals are 4-0, the last undefeated team in the NFL. Who the hell would have thunk that? Not me. Hmm, look at us. Not me. Uh, they're a minus 4.5 point favorite. And I came into this one, and when I originally did my pick so I do pick in, in this league, and usually I look at it at about Tuesday. I want to make sure that I get my picks in so I don't get anything wrong. So I pick Thursday Night Football, and then in case all hell breaks loose, I just kind of go through and pick every game. But when I was doing these previews last night, last night, Dakota, last night, not today, buddy. I was doing these last night when I came up with these, okay? I was like, man. So many of these things change. Like, so many of these games I picked one way at first, and then I really went through and broke them down, and I was like, mm, let me flip that. This game was one of them. I was like, man, Cardinals, I'm done doubting them. I said it last week. I'm done doubting the Cardinals. They've got my faith now. I'm not picking against the Cardinals. There was a meme where it was like, uh, oh, Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines said that uh, whenever he goes back for a punt return, he says, I don't care about my life. I mean, it's a dangerous thing. I mean, great mindset? Horrible mindset? I don't know. But... I retweeted it, and I was like, that's me whenever I bet against the Cardinals. I don't care about my life. Well, I'm doing it again. I'm picking the 49ers to win here. <laughs> and I know it sounds crazy. We've been, You're like, you've been just talking crap on the Cardinals every week. I don't think you've picked them to win a single game so far this year. Uh, I know I'm pretty sure I beat, picked Tennessee. I'm pretty sure I picked Minnesota. I'm pretty, I know for a fact I hammered the crap out of the Rams, and I don't remember who their week three was again. Oh, Jacksonville. I think I hammered Jacksonville to cover and keep it close. But I digress. I said I was done down in Arizona. And I am. Because as much as the rant I went on, on on Tuesday. And I was like, Trey Lance. No, he cannot be starting. He's not ready. I'm, I'm mocking myself right now. In this game. In this football game. Not in the other 16. Not in the playoffs. Not in any other matchup. I think Trey Lance gives the 49ers a better chance to win this football game. And you may be thinking, Blake, did the KGB get to you? Are you being brainwashed right now? Is there a gun to the left or right of you forcing you to say this? No. Trey Lance's family did not hold me hostage and and force an apology out of me. My stance on Trey Lance has not changed. However, the opponent did. All right. The Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals have excelled in making big plays this season. Right. Byron Murphy getting an interception, it seems like, every week. People are talking about Trayvon Diggs, but not Byron Murphy, and it's really pissing me off. But 
Byron Murphy getting about an interception every week. Buda Baker flying around the field. J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones just pissing off opposing quarterbacks. They are still the second worst opponent yards per rush in the league. That's not good. They don't do a good job stopping the run. No. And why is that? The linebackers are bad. And how do I say this? I'm saying bad because they have been bad, but they're not really bad, bad. They're just not there yet when it comes to eye discipline and being able to read things and being patient and not being manipulated. It's kind of like... It's kind of like Boogie Nights. If you've seen Boogie Nights. Remember when Mark Wahlberg is first on there and he's just... He does everything they say and he's just like, oh yeah, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'm not going to get into details of what Mark Wahlberg does. But then at the end, he's like leaving and, and, and it's just, he evolves, okay? Right now, these linebackers are like Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. He's just like, oh, you want me to do that? Okay. Oh my God, that's a pulling guard. Let's go. Oh, play action? What's play action? No, they have to run the ball. Like That's what those guys look like right now. And I love them to death. I think we're going to be looking back on this in five years and having this conversation and just laughing our asses off because they're going to be the best linebacking duo in the league. But as of right now, these guys are not high-disciplined. High they're not... I don't want to say fundamentally sound. That's not it. They're not They're not sound when it comes to filling gaps and fitting, fitting in the run game. And if there is something, someone that is going to... I mean, McVay did it last week. If you watch the Rams game, McVay had... Was just running and gaping these guys. It looked like for like seven, eight, nine yards a pop. It was bad. Um, but the thing was that the Cardinals were able to get the turnovers. They were able to force the mistakes and get out to a lead where then it forced the traditional dropbacks. There wasn't the runs that were just kind of manipulating these guys. It just became dropback football, which really, really, really made life easier on those linebackers. There was no manipulation. There was no dressing things up, especially when it comes to running the ball and passing the ball off of the run and those things. It just essentially became slinging the rock around, which... Those two linebackers are athletic. They're fast. That's where they're great right now. You don't want them to just be able to fly around making plays. No, you want to keep them in those run fits where they're going to make mistakes, where their eyes are going to get ahead of them, where they're going to think they're seeing something when they're not. That is where you want to keep these guys. And I think Trey Lance playing will do so much more. I mean, they struggled against that that Rams front. And, And yes, I know McVay does a great job running the football. Shanahan does it just as well. Okay, um, and even with Jimmy, I think Kyle Shanahan, if the Niners can keep this thing a one-possession game, they win the game because they're going to be able to run their offense. Then the, the Cardinals, we might force them into a mistake, and I know we haven't seen the Kyle mistakes the last two weeks, but I believe they're still there. I don't know if they're going to pop up in this one because of how bad the back half of the 49ers defense is. I think Kyler is going to have a field day, but if you can keep this thing within a one-possession game, be able to run your offense. The minute you have to resort to what the Rams had to resort to last week with either Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, then it's over. You're you're done. You're not going to win a shootout with these guys right now, especially with the back half of your defense. But if they can get Lance to add another thing for those young linebackers to be able to be confused by or manipulated by, I think they win. I really think they win. My X factor in this one is D Ford because right tackle Josh Jones was just a complete liability last game. Uh, we know Nick Bosa is going to go against your left tackle, so D Ford on that opposite side make some plays, try to just try to frustrate Kyler because even if D Ford has a kick-ass game and is getting after Kyler every play, 
there were some sacks Leonard Floyd has against 31 other NFL quarterbacks, but he didn't have on Kyler. So D Ford is a big part of this one. But give me the 49ers to win 26 to 23 if Trey Lance plays. If Trey Lance does it, if they can keep it a one point game, they are happy and walk into the bank handing the Cardinals their first loss. Wow. Okay. So Packers and Bengals. I'm pretty sure Jair Alexander is not playing in this game. He might be getting season-ending surgery on a, I believe it's an AC joint in the shoulder. That's brutal because I have no idea how you stop Jamar Chase and how you stop anybody of those receiving core. Because, look, Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half of that game against the 49ers or against the Packers, Jimmy Garoppolo was able to have some success against the Packers, slinging that rock around throwing it and yes i know they had a big lead but i think that's definitely where the packers are susceptible when you're able to kind of spread out put their bad cornerbacks outside of jair but if jair is not playing who the hell is your good cornerback you know and eric stokes is good but he's still a rookie cornerback i don't expect a lot from those guys and he did he has more room to grow i'm not saying he's horrible or anything but if he's going against a t higgins or a tyler boyd or a jamar chase Bye. If, if, if Eric Stokes because they're number one corner, it's so rough. Like, and I'm just worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried because this Bengals defense has been surprisingly solid this year. They're not great. They're not earth beaters or anything, but they are a solid unit, okay? And if they can force Rodgers into a mistake or two or stunt the Packers on a drive or two, I think the Bengals honestly have the advantage if this thing gets into a shootout because I do not trust Nobody, I, I trust nobody in that Packer cornerback room with Jair Alexander being down. And you have to go against three if you want to include Adam Tate. Four in the big game from U- CJ Uzama last week. Five beast, solid, good weapons. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's going to be tough for the Packers. And I'm actually really worried about them. I know they're a three-point favorite on the road, which really means Vegas has them at about six. A six-point favorite on the Bengals. Like, they, they think they're six points better. I mean, sorry. But I just don't know. I'm kind of worried about it. I have one question for the Bengals. I think they're going to be fine, uh, especially with no Jair. They're going to put up some points. I, I really do think they will put up some points on the Packers. My biggest question for them becomes, how do you stop Devontae Adams? That's my number one question for them. If they can do it, great. And then I think they win. Even if they can't. I think they have a road to victory. Sounds crazy. I'm just as surprised picking this as as you probably are hearing it. Give me the Bengals to win 23 to 20. Losing Jair, I don't think people are emphasizing enough how horrible that is for the Packers. How horrible that is. Because now you're pretty much down to maybe one viable corner in Eric Stokes and then the rest are Kevin King. Give me the Bengals to win. Uh, Bears, Raiders. Bears are two and two. Bears are such a weird team to me. They're always. It always feels. And I know there's somebody. Nick's probably watching this. Blake, you are such a hater, bro. You just hate on the Bears. I do dislike the Bears. I'm not a big Bears guy. Um, I, I am a fan of the team in the division. You guys probably already know it's, it's the Vikings, but I don't. I hate the Bears. I, I just don't like them. Okay, and I feel like they are always bad. They're never a good team, but they're always somehow like two and two. And I guess Blake, that's the sign of a good football team to win some football games, even when they're not playing good. Shut up, shut up. I know I say that about everybody else except for the Bears, but I'm surprised the Bears are two and two. Just I don't know. It's surprising to me. Um, these tackles need to need to send a prayer or two in advance. Probably today. I don't know how busy. 
uh, how, how many prayers are coming into the the HSPS, the Heaven Heaven States Postal Service. It sounds better in my head. But uh, they need to get it in now. They might need to pay for premium shipping because uh, the Raiders pass rushers have been good against good tackles. So, uh, yeah, it's anticipate Justin Fields to be under a lot of pressure in this one. Um, and I know passer rating is not the end-all be-all, and it's not even really a good stat to look at in my opinion. But when your passer rating under pressure is 13.5, that's bad. Okay. I'm not saying Justin Fields is horrible under pressure, yada, 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 but it hasn't been good so far this year. So I'm worried about it. I'm worried about them being able to protect Justin Fields in this one. So I just want... I'm worried. I, I really am worried about Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, Carl Nassib coming after Justin Fields and just making his life a living hell. In the back end of this, Raiders defense has played well too. Mowork, Hayward, um, Trayvon Molman looks viable. Nate Hobbs, rookie of the year. Um, you know, so I, I really do have problems about how this Bears offense is going to be able to function. And I know the play calling got a little bit better with Bill Lazor. Uh, I just... We're going to have to see. Okay, this is a big... I'm not super huge on the Bears' offense, but if they came out here and put up 30 on the Raiders and Justin Fields looks spectacular, I'm going to be like, that's what a good quarterback does for your offense. And I'm going to say the same thing coming in here on Tuesday. Yeah, unless the tackles take a huge step up, then I'm going to be putting a lot of... Like, great job, Justin Fields. And yes, losing David Montgomery is huge. Let's keep that in mind, too. They lost Montgomery. Khalil Herbert is good. I like Khalil Herbert, but he ain't no David Montgomery. They're, David Montgomery is an absolute beast. Underrated. So, losing Montgomery is huge. The tackle situation sucks. And also, like I mentioned earlier, I think this is a defense that will give you a big play here or two. And if I am a team that's kind of susceptible to that, yeah, I might get away when I'm going against Quintez Cephas. But not Henry Ruggs. For the Raiders, uh... Uh, what, what is this? What is this? No, spread seemed steep at first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of looking at it like the spread, five and a half for the Raiders. Uh, I don't know. That seems kind of steep. But then I really thought about that tackle situation, and nobody has been as good at, at just harassing quarterbacks. That sounds like such a weird phrase. Nobody has been as good as, as harassing. At harassing. That, that Don't use that in a non-football context, please. I do not want to hear about how good people are harassing. Um, But, yeah, so... I just anticipate Fields to have a rough day at the office circumstance-wise. Um, you know, he's driving to work, and then he hits a pothole, and his tire pops, and he has to change it. And then when he's getting to work, he gets attacked by a homeless guy outside of his work because he all his money went to tipping the tow guy that got him to work, so he couldn't give the homeless guy money for some coffee. So then he got beat outside of work, and he had to go to urgent care before he even steps foot in the building. And while he's at urgent care... They have no snacks, and he wasn't able to get breakfast because his tire popped, and he usually gets breakfast across the McDonald's right across from his work. Wasn't able to do that, so he's sitting in urgent care. They have no snacks other than a Snickers, but he can't have the Snickers. He's on the keto diet, so he's going in there, and then finally gets to work at 1 o'clock and is able to do some work. That is like the situation Justin Fields is going to be facing on Sunday. What does he do with it? I'm excited. We're going to learn a lot about Justin Fields. Does he come out? If he comes out here and plays kick-ass football, I'm going to be like, yeah. Wow, not expecting that spectacular performance from Justin Fields. And now if he comes in and he plays bad, I'm not going to be like, Justin Fields sucks, Justin Fields sucks. But I'm going to kind of be like, uh, okay. 
I don't know why we're doing this thing again. But that's a conversation for Tuesday. I'm excited to see the performance from Fields. I will take the Raiders to win 31 to 21. Uh, Dolphins, Bucks. I don't have too much to say about this game, really, in terms of like who's going to win. Right? The Bucks are going to win. You have the better team. You have the better quarterback. You have the better coaching. I'll give them that advantage as well. You're most likely going to win the game. But 10 points? 10 points? We haven't seen a good four quarters of football from this Bucks offense. The Dallas game, they were sloppy. Turnovers here, this and that. There were problems in that Dallas game. I know they put up points, but it did not look great. Okay, and then they torched the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, Taylor Heineke torched the Atlanta Falcons. Cool, you want a cookie? Then, then they have some problems against the Rams. Then they have problems the last week against the Patriots. Yes, they're all good defenses, but what is Miami? A cakewalk? No, Miami's a good defense. They're going to frustrate them. They're going to give them some problems. The Bucks' offense, very similar to the Chiefs' defense, is going to get on track. I'm not worried about it. I'm not saying I'm worried about the Bucks' season. But as of right now, this Bucks' offense has shown me nothing for me to look at it and say, yeah, they should be a 10-point favorite over the Dolphins, who I know what Jacoby Brissett, this and that. That defense has been good. That defense has frustrated people. And plus, what has been my big thing? With the, the, the Bucks so far this year, their corners have not been great. And they've continued to get decimated by injury. They had a Richard Sherman out there playing like four days after getting the call that, hey, you want to be on the team, Rich? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so Sherman was out there playing and didn't look spectacular. I mean, for a guy that just got pulled off and, and got on the roster a couple days ago, half off to him. Nothing but respect for Richard Sherman, one of my favorite guys in the league. But still not great. Still a position where you're liable to getting exposed. And I know Jacoby Brissett isn't great, but you have playmakers in Miami. Jalen Waddle can make some things happen. Devontae Parker's solid. If you get the ball out to those guys in space, Will Fuller included, it could be a long day, and they could put up a surprising amount of points. I just, I don't know. I feel like we're, this is a better defense than the Patriots, in my opinion. And... They didn't cover, what was it, six or something last week? But Blake, they're at home. Okay, cool. I still don't have a lot of faith in this offense. I do think the Bucks are going to win. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the Bucks not winning or anything along those lines. But I definitely think Miami covers. This is, again, not a best bet, but something that I kind of feel strongly about. Give me Miami to cover the 10. Bucks 24, Dolphins 16. We'll speed through these ones. I think we're almost at about an hour right now. Uh, Giants, Cowboys, uh, you're more talented, you're better coached, and you have the better quarterback. You should win. My X Factor, I do want to see Kadarius Tony because I think he looked good last week, so give him more. Uh, it, somehow it's going to be close. I mean, I, it's just the way that the NFC works. Cowboys 27, Giants 22. Saints, Washington. Uh, take shots down the field. Attack these corners that have not been spectacular this year. My X factor is John Allen if he plays because he's going to just rip apart Andres Pete and, and those guys on the interior. I do think the Saints win 24 to 10 against Washington. And I know Heineke played well again last week against that piss poor excuse of a defense from the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Saints are going to man the crap out of everybody and I think just shut everything down. Lions, Vikings. Um, the Lions are dead last on opponents' yards per attempt and opponents' yards per completion. So, sling the rock around, Clint Kubiak, like you did against Seattle. Give me the Vikings to win 35-21. to Colts-Ravens. Um, I just want to see this one. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I don't have too much analysis. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see what goes down. Because if the Colts can pull, pull a win, 
we have some interesting talking points come Tuesday. I do think that the Ravens are going to win 26-14. to 14. Pats, Texans. Um, I think it's at 9 points right now, 8-9 points. That's a lot for a team that I don't think can score the ball like that. But can the Texans score? I don't know. Yeah, give me the Pats to win 17-6, to 6, and I guess that covers the 9. Uh, Titans and Jaguars. Uh, this is, you know, Henry's biannual slaughtering of the great folks that play for the Jacksonville football team. So, you know, just be in tune for that. Make sure you have them starting. If you're starting against Derrick Henry in fantasy this week, sorry, dude, you're going to need a miracle. Uh, Titans 35, Jaguars 28. I do think because that, that back half of the Titans defense is, is rough. Uh, expect Trevor Lawrence to continue to look kind of solid like he did on Thursday night. Broncos, Steelers, give me the luck with lock. I'm going to rock with a backup quarterback if he plays. And if Teddy plays, they are definitely going to win. I, when I looked at this, it was recorded as Steelers minus one as the favorite. They're going to need about three defensive touchdowns to win this game. Uh, Eagles, Panthers. Excited to watch both of these quarterbacks play, surprisingly. like I was kind of going into this one like, man. But there are some fun playmakers. There are some fun. The, both of the quarterbacks are kind of entertaining to watch. I'm excited to see what goes down in this one. Both solid defensive lines that could put quarterbacks in a situation where they're under duress, they're under pressure. So I think we're going to learn a lot about the two quarterbacks in this one and build some character for them. Then we have the great uh, English game. I like to think of the, the football game in England as like us keeping relations with, with Britain good. You know, like we're still resentful or they still hate us for the War of 1812. So we're like, you know what? We'll introduce you to our football. And they're like, oh. That's why we gave them the Jets Falcons because we didn't really want to give them a football game, but we had to put that olive branch out there. It's just a theory. Just a theory. And that's why we gave him Jets-Falcons. Uh, just sling it, Zach Attack. But I will say, the Jets have a sneaky solid secondary. 6.5 opponents yards per pass attempt, which is 12th in the league. I don't expect Matt Ryan to just be able to have a field day. So give me the Jets to win. I'm rocking 2-0. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, this could be a huge game for Zach Wilson because you know he has some confidence coming off of last week. With the throws that he made, I would too. But this is going to be big for him. Can he continue to carry over that confidence? Because two back-to-back good games, especially, you know, getting all those European, the, the Tottenham Hotspur fans on your side, that could be big for Zach Wilson's confidence. Who knows? But in all seriousness, if he plays well in back-to-back games, I know they're against bad defenses, that could be good for his confidence, and I'm excited to see kind of where that goes for him going forward in the season. So I want to see good Zach Wilson football in this one, and I think we will. Give me the Jets to win 23-20. to That's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, i appreciate you guys greatly again please share this podcast with two people I, I i really hope that if you share it with two at least one of them will take a listen and maybe they'll like what they see and out of all of you guys that share maybe every other one of you will have somebody that tuned in and listen and subscribed and really likes the content appreciate appreciate you guys so much for tuning in um it's been a blast. I'm really enjoying the podcast so far this year. So if you guys are enjoying and listening, comments and stuff below the videos, uh, I really do appreciate it. You guys mean the world to me. Blake Sorensen with STB Sports. Peace and love.